Amen. Thank you, ladies. Beautiful song. Beautifully done. We appreciate that so much. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God together to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. We have a very familiar story and some encouragement, excuse me, some encouragement from God's Word today from this familiar passage of Scripture. 1 Kings 17, in just a moment we'll read verses 8 through 16. We'll begin reading in verse 8. Once you find your place, if you would, stand with us for the reading of God's Word. We'll have prayer, and then we'll begin reading in verse 8, 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's pray together. Father, we just come once again thanking you for your Word and the privilege to be here today, to be a part of this service. And We just ask you now to guide our thoughts, and we pray you just be our teacher through the preaching and teaching of your word. Lord, we ask you to just have your will and way. We pray you'd, uh, Lord, speak to our hearts about those things that are needful in our life. And Lord, while I, as the speaker, may not know what everyone needs to hear, Lord, you do. You know exactly what we need. So we ask you to prescribe that today. We pray just use this message and this opportunity, this, this Bible text, to speak to our hearts and to meet the needs of our life. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you'd just guide us, that you'd speak to us, Lord, give comfort and grace, encouragement, correction, guidance, instruction. Lord, whatever's needed, I pray you'd just, uh, Lord, have this time and use it to grow us, to shape us, Lord, according to your will. And we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. First Kings 17 and verse number 8, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, this is Elijah, saying, verse 9, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it. And die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Wow. Powerful text. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want to preach a message today that I've entitled simply this, Guiding Principles for the Christian Life. Guiding Principles 
for the Christian life. You know, there really is a lot we can learn from this story. Here we find God guiding Elijah. And indirectly, he's also guiding the widow woman and her family. God is putting together the pieces of what we call life. And he's providing, he's guiding, he's caring all the way as he does. Elijah sits and listens. He hears the voice of the Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Unwritten and unspoken, this was the desire of Elijah's heart. As he heard the word of God, and the Bible tells us, without any hesitation, without any conflicting thoughts, without any drama of the emotion, he immediately goes and does what the Lord commanded him to do. Wouldn't it be great if you and I obeyed the Lord just like that? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't let intellect get in our way because we couldn't figure out how the pieces were going to all come together? Wouldn't it be great if that did not make us hesitate responding to God and doing His will? Wouldn't it be great if our emotions didn't create drama that clouded our view so that we couldn't see the path ahead? Wouldn't it be great if we did not allow our feelings to guide us, but rather we trusted God's guidance and moved forward at His word? When we read the Bible, often that is the case. We see those who did just that. And I think because we quickly and casually read by it, we we fail to realize the effort they put forth into keeping themselves out of the way so they could follow God. You know, if you and I are going to be successful in the Christian life, we too have to put forth that same effort. That effort to restrain the parts of us that would get in the way of our following God. Elijah seems like a master here at this. We read this text, and in our humanity, there are so many questions. There are things we just don't understand, and and we, we watch in awe as this unfolds. Yet, God is faithful. And the last verses speak of his faithfulness and tell us how he cared for all in the story, providing for them miraculously by not allowing the meal and the oil to fail. And you know, one way or another, that's how the final chapters of all of our lives will be written if we're willing to follow God and do what he asks us to do. Because God has never failed. So let's look at these principles that Elijah learned and knew and practiced They are followed but not stated in our text. Notice with me, if you would, in verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. He said, I've I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. The Bible says in verse 10, So he arose and went. Can I give you, number one, the guiding principle in the Christian life? Number one, let God lead. Let God lead. So often we're, we're so antsy, we're so eager, we're so ambitious 
that we come up with our own plans and we launch them without ever talking to God about it. Lord, what would you have me do? That would be a better beginning, wouldn't it? Lord, here's what I think. What should I do? Lord, guide me. Lord, show me the time and, and, the, and the way to implement this. Those would all be better approaches than when we just leap ahead. Sometimes you've heard the expression of getting ahead of God, and I'm, I'm afraid many times we do that in our lives because we fail to let God lead. You know, we really just need to learn the principle. Do you think God could do a good job leading us? Do you think God knows what to do? Do you think God has a plan? Is he capable of executing that plan? Do you think God could guide us into it? These are all questions that our mind will deal with on some level. But the old saying is still true. Where God guides, he provides. Lead before we will ever implement this guiding principle in our life. I think this is what the songwriter had in mind when she wrote, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I withhold. Not a mite would I withhold. Take my love, my God, I pour at thy feet its treasures store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. Let God lead. He certainly is able to do that. Did you know God initiated the creation of the universe and the world as we know it? We just have to open the Bible to see what the Bible says about in the beginning how God created the heavens and the earth. The psalmist tells us that the stars and the moon, that they're just his handiwork, the work of his fingertips. So we might say that the skies and the space, the, the things we see in the day and night illuminating above us, we might just say those are just the, the finger paintings of God. Now, can you imagine if God can finger paint the sunset? If that's just a finger painting, can you imagine what God can do in our lives if we would just let him lead? God initiated creation, the creation of mankind. God created the redemption of mankind, and he initiated that whole process. It was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that God created, so beautiful, so plenteous. God created everything their heart could wish for. All their needs were supplied, yet Adam and Eve went outside the will of God. They transgressed God's commandment and plunged the human race into sin. Yet God knew it would happen, and he already had a plan. God initiated the redemption of mankind. And he came down and dealt with Adam and Eve and explained the beauty of redemption. 
And he showed them how that sin has consequences and that death would come by sin. He showed them how that only blood could cleanse and purge sin. And he used animals to illustrate this. And then the Bible says he took those skins of those lambs and clothed them with them. Now, the Bible doesn't give us all the details of that explanation, but we know it's true because they then explained how to worship God and how to, how to bring offerings to God to their sons, Cain and Abel. And the Bible says that Abel brought of the firstlings of the flock. He brought a, a lamb, a tender sacrifice, just like God had done with Adam and Eve. Cain rebelled against God's way of doing things, brought his own offering an offering of his own effort and his own works, the fruits of his labor, part of the crops that he harvested, and he offered that to God. And he taught us something, a lesson that every human has to learn and experience. Because of sin, we have this urge to make it right, to do something, to fix it. But Brother Cain taught us that we ourselves can do nothing to fix this. This is the work of God. And He alone has what we need for redemption. And Jesus one day came as the Lamb of God. And He offered Himself on the cross to die to pay for the sins of the world that you and I might have forgiveness. Hey, that was God's plan and He he initiated that without us even knowing we needed it. You know, God initiated a leader for Israel when he met Moses in the burning bush. God initiated victory in the life of Israel when Elijah would challenge the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. The fire that fell from heaven, that was God. All of it went according to his plan. God initiated freedom for Israel when he parted the waters at the Red Sea and they walked over on dry ground. If God can do all of this, and now certainly God is leading, God can provide a meal in a time of need. And he's certainly proving that now in the life of Elijah and the widow. Think about that. Let God lead. How about you this morning? Are you willing to let God lead you? You know, it's, it's really one thing, isn't it? To witness God leading someone else. For them to go through the wonder and amazement of how is this going to play out and what's going to happen next and, and uh, you know, how will this work? We don't feel any of that when it happens in the life of someone else. But when it's us, it's a different story, isn't it? Remember those thoughts that plague us? Remember those emotions that cause such drama? The things that get in the way and make us hesitate? Should we follow God or not? It all begins to revive, doesn't it? When we choose to let God lead. But that's exactly what Elijah's doing. And if you want to be successful in the Christian life, that's exactly what you have to learn to do. You have to learn to let God lead you. But that's not the only lesson. There's an amazing lesson in this story. That we've all heard, but it's sometimes hard to practice. Elijah practices it. And the widow puts it into practice. 
If they can do it, certainly you and I can do it. It's captured for us in verse 13. The widow said in verse 12, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel. She said, I'm going to make this my last meal. Me and my son are going to die. In verse 13, Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first and bring it to me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. And I don't know about you, but the first time I read that story, I thought, oh, Elijah, boy, you've heard people say it, right? The audacity of that preacher. Who does he think he is? Well, Elijah knew who he was. He was the prophet of God. But he also knew this very important lesson. He knew this life-guiding principle in the Christian life. And that is, number two, put God first. Put God first. Now hold your place in 1 Kings and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And here is Elijah practicing this way before it's time. But in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches his disciples the same principle. In Matthew chapter 6, the last verse of that chapter. Well, actually, let's back up. Look at verse 19 and 20. What does the Bible say there? It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth or rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. Hey, you, you, you can't lose it. it. It won't go away. It won't fade away. It can't be stolen. How do you lay up treasure in heaven? Look at verse 33. By putting God first. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What were those things? They were the material possessions that we need in life. And so as this widow woman said, well, I have, I have a meal but for one cake, and I'm going to make that for me and my son. We're going to eat that and die. Elijah said, wait, wait, wait. He said, make me a little cake first. What was he doing? Was he being so forward to put himself before the widow? Did he want her last meal? No, 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 no. You missed it. Elijah was practicing this principle, and he was allowing this widow woman to practice the principle of Matthew 6, putting God first. And allowing him to meet your need. And so, Elijah makes the request. Elijah, being the man of God, understood that this widow could put God first by supplying his need. After all, God had already revealed the plan to Elijah. And he said, I have a widow woman that's going to care for you. He knew it was the will of God to provide for him through this widow then that means she can't die right now. God has a plan beyond today because he has already chosen her to sustain me for the coming months during the, during the, uh, the drought. So putting God's plan into action, he moves. Think about it. His heart attitude was the attitude of yieldedness and the attitude of worship. 
Elijah was putting God first by doing what he said and making the request of the woman. And I'm sure that if you had been in Elijah's shoes, that would have been a hard request to make, knowing that she would not, in her humanity, understand the request for him to be first. Most preachers that are worth worth their salt, as the saying goes, if they had their way, they would say, I'll just be last. You just go right ahead and I'll just be last. But Elijah said, feed me first. Was he a selfish person? No, he was living out the principle of God. And he was putting this, he was allowing this widow woman to position herself to live out that same principle by putting God first and taking care of the man of God. God was about to supply this widow's need as she put God or the man of God in this situation first in her situation. Look at another verse with me, if you would. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Notice what the Bible says in verse 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So this echoes the principle of give and it shall be given unto you. God didn't say I'll make you wealthy, but he said I'll, I'll continue providing if you honor me with what you have. So the Bible says in verse 9, honor the Lord with thy substance. He didn't say honor me with your sayings. He didn't say honor me with your lips. He said honor me with your life, with what you have, your substance, with your stuff. Hey, do you honor God with your stuff? That's the principle here. That's what the widow was about to do. She was about to honor God with what she had. And she was about to apply the principle of first fruits, she was going to make a cake for Elijah first. You see, we're supposed to give God what's right, not what's left. Let that sink in. Put God first. Principle number three. Number three always follows number two. <laughs> no, I don't mean the number. I mean the principle. Principle number two is put God first. So immediately following that is principle number three, which is this. Trust God to meet your need. Trust God to meet your need. Can I tell you a little secret? In the Christian life, it's an open secret. When you step out and you obey God, when you put him first, here's what's going to happen invariably. It's going to create some kind of need where you are. And what happens then? That is an opportunity you now have for God to meet your need. Are you following? So we let God lead, and then we step out and do what God says. We put him first, and invariably, when we put God first, that usually creates a need where we are. That is an opportunity for God to step in and meet your need. Does he do it? Is he faithful? 
David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. All I keep hearing is Christians telling me you can't outgive God because those who faithfully practice the matter of giving experience that giving in receiving. God wanted you to be a funnel, not a bucket. And when you share what God gives you, he shares more so you can give more. It's all good with God. Trust God to meet your need. Are you willing to do that? Look at verse 15. The Bible says, And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Stop right there in the middle of the verse and understand something. If she did what Elijah said, that means she put God first by taking care of his man, the prophet. And when she did that, she used her last meal to feed him. And what did that do? It created a need for her. Because now she and her son have need. What are they going to eat? Remember, that was their last food. That was their last meal. And so this opportunity was created for God to step in and for God to meet a need. And guess what? He was ready, willing, and waiting for the opportunity. The Bible says in the same verse, And she and he and her house did eat many days. Many days. Isn't that good? Many days being, if you, if you do the whole timetable thing, about a year and a half. God took care of them very well. So we have to trust God to meet our needs. Philippians 4.19 is a verse we looked up on Wednesday night. And uh, you can write it down. Paul was talking about giving. And in this case, they were giving to the work of missions. We're going to have our missions conference at the end of the month. And you'll understand how that works when we give to take the word of God to others. What happens just like this? If somewhere along the way, it's going to create a need on your end. And what does the Bible say about that? Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God can take care of you, friend. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 once again. Proverbs chapter 3, we did look at verses 9 and 10 that talk about honoring God with your stuff. But notice what the Bible says in the same chapter in verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What do you got to do? You got to trust in the Lord. You have to be willing to trust God to meet your need. Because here's what's happened. Remember, going back to the beginning, let's just rewind the tape. God speaks. We get an opportunity to serve God. We look ahead. We try to figure it out. Isn't that what we do? And we see, oh, wait a minute. If I give my last meal, I'm not going to have anything. And in our human reasoning, you know what we do? We cancel the will of God. Nope, I can't do that. Just doesn't make sense, don't add up. Can't do it. When we act like that, according to the Bible, we're walking by sight and not by faith. And Paul said believers are supposed to do the opposite. We're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. 
So if you got everything lined up in the way you can figure it out, something's probably wrong somewhere. Because when God leads, he doesn't show us all the pieces up front, how the puzzle comes together. Why not? Because he leads us and he allows us to use faith. Otherwise, your faith would never grow. Your, your trust would never, would, would never increase. You'd never grow as a person, as a Christian. That's what we're doing on Wednesday night. We're going through all the growth points. These are areas of our life that have to grow in order for us to develop and become the person God wants us to be. And so God has designed the Christian life that we have to walk it by faith. Otherwise, we'd never grow. But that's not the only area of our life that needs to grow. So God designs the Christian life that, that challenges us in those growth point areas so that he creates a struggle so that there can be growth in our lives. And that's what he's doing here. Elijah has already made up his mind to follow. And so when the word of God is given, the Bible says he arose and went. He doesn't sit around to try to figure it out. He already knows that's not how it works. We don't figure out God. We don't understand God. Hey, let me tell you something. God would be pretty small if you could figure him all the way out. Our God is bigger than big. The universe is big. God's way bigger than that. The Bible says the earth is his footstool. He's so big we can't even see the top of him. So how are we ever going to figure him out? You know, we need to understand that principle, give up on that effort, and just be willing to trust God and follow God. If God can put all the universe together, if God can, can hang the stars in space, then God can show me where to put my application in. Amen? God can provide my next meal. He can meet the deepest need of my heart. He created you. And he already knows what you need before you ask him. There's another great hymn. And by the way, as I was looking up this hymn, I noticed in the hymn book that I see songs like, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. I see songs like, He leadeth me, O blessed thought. I see songs like, All the way my Savior leads me. And then, here's, here's a song that says, God will take care of you. No coincidence, those songs are right together because they go together when god guides god provides he will take care of you when you're following him as a matter of fact he took care of the children of israel when they were not following him when they were wandering in rebellion in the wilderness he still fed them he still provided for them he still met their need that's how good god is the songwriter said be not dismayed whate'er betide God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. Through days of toil when heart doth fail, when dangers fierce your path assail, God will take care of you. All you may need he will provide. Nothing you ask will be denied. We know that's providing you ask in the will of God. No matter what may be the test, lean weary one upon his breast. God will take care of you.
great hymn. But it's a great truth. You know, that's what makes it so good. That's what makes all the hymns so good. You had not figured that out yet? They're so good because they're so true. They're based on the truth of God's word, and, and they happen in everyday life. And if you follow God, you'll see them played out every time. God is faithful. So let God lead. Put him first, and then trust him. Trust him to meet the needs that come up along the way as you follow him, because God will take care of you. And then number four, this is the last one. Just know this. Know that God will not fail. You know, there's a few things. There's a few things God can't do. Somebody said, can God make a rock so big you can't pick it up? Well, first of all, that's a very foolish question. That's a critic's question. It's a silly question, if you think about it. But there are a few things God can't do. For instance, God cannot lie because he is the source of all truth. And you know what? God cannot fail. God is just that good. God couldn't fail if he wanted to. You say, well, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Didn't God fail? No, Adam and Eve failed. God didn't fail. As a matter of fact, I'll show you how much God couldn't fail is that before he ever spoke the first word of creation, he already knew all that was going to happen, and he still had a plan. And God's plan, by the way, God's plan isn't plan B. Don't you think for a moment when you read the Bible that Adam and Eve plunged the human race into sin, and then God had to come up with some plan to fix it? Look, God already knew that was going to happen. We're on plan A. God had this plan. The Bible says God had the plan of redemption before the foundations of the world were ever laid. Before creation was ever done, God loved us enough to create anyway. And guess what? He said, let there be. And he already had the plan of redemption in his mind. And you and I are walking on God's plan A. We're not an afterthought, a second thought. This is not a redo or a makeup. Listen, God cannot fail. And I'm telling you, the end result of man is going to be better than it was in the beginning. And God, this is no accident. God understood what would happen when Adam and Eve sinned. And he knew they would plunge the whole human race into sin. But I'm telling you that redeemed in Christ, we're going to stand one day better off than we ever would have in our innocence. That God created Adam and Better. That's why Paul said we are more than conquerors. How can you be more than a conqueror? I mean, if you conquer, you win, right? How can you be better than a winner? With God, it is possible because his end result is better than the starting point. It's better than it would have been had sin never entered into the picture. What you thought was God's plan B is his perfect plan A to take us to much better results than we could have imagined on our own. That's how good God is. God is still God. His plan is still moving forward, even with all of the failures of mankind and the mishaps and the missteps and the regrets and all the things we should have done. In the midst of all that, God is still God and he's still executing his plan and he's still going to win. And in the end, I'm glad I'm on his side. Aren't you? 
And if that's the God we're serving, then guess what? Every day we can follow him and we can know that he's got the end results. And we may not see clearly the picture from our point of view, but we can trust that he does and just know that God will not fail. He will not fail. Look at verse 14. 1 Kings chapter 17. Verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Oh, isn't God good? God said, hey, I've got you. You trust me, you follow me. I want you to be here until this time. And guess what? Until that time, because you're following me, we won't fail. You know, God has a timetable. And God's timetable, definitely, I'm just going to tell you up front, no surprises, right? I'm going to tell you, God's timetable does not line up with ours. It just doesn't. You'd be better off if you just know that ahead of time. It just doesn't. But he's faithful, and he will not fail. Isn't that good? When you follow God, you're following the best. Psalm 37, verse 25. I want to close with this. David said, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. When we follow God, he'll take care of us. He is able to take care of us. Isn't that good? Hey, I know in my own life, there have been many times when I didn't know what was around the next corner, but I'm so glad he did. All I can say is looking back, Boy, you know what? We made it. We never missed a beat. Somehow we always got through it. We paid the bills. We ate. Right? God is faithful. He is good. And if there's anybody that deserves your trust, it's him. These are just some guiding principles of the Christian life. You want to follow God? You want to experience victory in the Christian life? Well, it does come at a price. And it is not always easy, the way it looks in Scripture. Elijah was a human too. We don't see him struggling with emotions or conflicting thoughts. We, we don't see him trying to analyze and figure it out. I'm sure he had his moments with that. But his better moments are what we're reading about now. When he learned to use these principles in his life, and the Bible says he arose and went. So how about us? Let's follow God the same way. Let's let him lead. Let's put him first. Let's trust God to meet our needs. And let's know he will not fail. Amen? Let's pray together.